Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valves, exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out, blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent to Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine assholes at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at Dr. Scott WM. When she's here, at Lady Diagnosis. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com/slash Weird Medicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist. Or whatever. All right. Very good. Hey, don't forget uh, to check out stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. We have the Navage on there. It's getting ready to be uh, allergy season. Mm-hmm. And the Navage is delightful way to keep your uh, nose clean. It's under 100 bucks. Use it over and over and over again. Uh, I'm a true believer. I think if you want to use a neti pot, it's up to you. Please use distilled water. But what I want you to do, if you use a neti pot, is uh, Google image neti pot users 
and you'll see how stupid you look. <laughs> and then you'll want to go buy a Navaj. So anyway, you can get one at stuff.drsteve.com. Um, uh, I am currently using headphones by tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com. Offer code FLUID. Well, my voice cracked. No, how am I? What am I? Thirteen. Fluid. fluid. Offer code fluid for thirty-three percent off, which is, as somebody pointed out to me, I once said, it's like buying three for the price of two. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Stupid. All right. Well. There you go. Well, you just start saying stuff. Your brain's sort of in neutral. Anyway, it's like buying. Th- no, that was right. That is correct. Yeah. Oh, and now I'm really stupid. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going. Oh, no, I said, I, I, I guess what I, one time I was doing that promo and I said, it's like buying two for the price of three. Right. It actually is like buying three, three for, for the, the price, price of two. Give yourself a bill. Idiot. Go. God, I'm dumb. You're close. Anyway, and I call Big Joe dumb. She actually is dumb. She is. Uh, she thinks eight times eight is 16. Mm-hmm. And then she says, now, I can, now y'all, I can multiply. <laughs> multiply. Don't you know? Anyway, it's, it's just, that's a... That's a whole other story. Black hole of different proportions. <laughs> um, simplyherbals.net. Check out Dr. Scott's website. It's, again, allergy season. There's nothing better for your allergies right now, really. I got to say, I've been very impressed with Dr. Scott's nasal rinse. The other thing that I like that you don't sell on that are, is that, what is that nasal xanthium nasal for? What is that? That is the, that's an old Chinese herbal medicine formula called xanthium. And it's a, a, for, a formula just made of a bunch of different leaves and herbs that work on sinus inflammation. It's, it's wonderful. actually quite impressive. Yep. So, but now if you see Dr. Scott and you complain of that, he'll sell you that shit, but I guess you, you don't sell right. it on your website. Not yet, but I could. Yeah, well, you could. I could. Yeah, yeah whatever. Maybe I should. Uh, go to, uh, so anyway, check him out at simplyherbals.net. Um, uh, if you're interested in losing weight with me, I'm five pounds away from my ideal body weight as okay. of right now, so I'll give myself one of these. Five pounds away from my ideal body weight, first time since I was uh, about three years out of college. Mm. So, uh, and I did it using Noom. And so check out noom.drsteve.com. It's N-O-O-M.drsteve.com. You can get two weeks free and you can get 20% off um, your program. The program's just 12 to 16 weeks. It's cheaper than, well, I don't want to say cheaper. It's less expensive than Weight Watchers. And with that 20% coupon that you get by going to noom.drsteve.com, it's even less expensive than that. And you can try it out for two weeks with no obligation. It's just free. Now, you won't get your group. You won't get the sort of value-added stuff until you sign up for the real program. But the first two weeks for me were, uh, you know, I learned a lot. And uh, I started losing weight from day one even without my group. Uh, you get a group, a group counselor, and you get an individual counselor as well. Uh, I, I am a true believer in Noom. It's not a diet. It's psychology. You can do any diet you want, but you got to deal with the psychology of eating. It basically changes your relationship with food. Hmm. Uh, and speaking of food, uh, Freshly has um, $40 off if you go to freshly.drsteve.com. What Freshly is, is they deliver fresh prepared meals that make eating right super easy. You can use my link and get six dinners for $39 for two weeks, and that's 20 bucks off each week. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Now, 
So I we used to do um, Blue Apron on the show. May Loved do it again. It. Yep. Love Blue Loved. Apron. Yep. Uh, Blue Apron. If you need, you know, an ounce of of balsamic vinegar, they send you an ounce of balsamic vinegar. You don't have to go buy a whole a whole um, um, a whole jar or a, what a jar. Who buys a jar of vinegar? Uh, you know, you don't have to buy a whole bottle of vinegar, right. and uh, you just have what you need. Uh, but you still have to do the prep yourself. You've got to cut up the radishes and do all this stuff, and it's fun. I learned a lot of cooking techniques doing that, and I'm a reasonably accomplished chef. They had a great variety of flavors. Awesome. Great awesome. variety. You can go to blueapron.com slash weirdmedicine and check them out. Uh, then I tried that Terrace Kitchen because they do all the prep for you, so you don't have to cut up any radishes or cut up any radicchio or um, – uh, can I just name a bunch of other weird vegetables? But <laughs> uh, I, I, because it's already done for you. And then I got even lazier than that and said, well, maybe somebody sells food already made. <laughs> and that's what Freshly is. So it's already made. If you're um, you know, a lonely eater like I am, this is really good food. Uh, you can sort it by calories, by ingredients. If there are things you don't like, they, they just won't show them to you. Um, you can do, they're all gluten free and they're all pretty healthy and they're, everything I've had has been very tasty. Some things I like better than others, but I've liked everything I had. $40 off of Freshly by going to freshly.drsteve.com. And then the last thing is premium.drsteve.com. Uh, if you want to, uh, get, uh, uh, archives of the show, uh, you, you get full access to every show we've ever done for Riotcast plus some premium content. And if you use offer code FLUID for that, you get half off. It's only a buck ninety nine a month now. So for a dollar a month for three months, uh, you can get uh, premium access to the show. Just download them all and then cancel it. I don't right. care. I'm just trying to keep my employers out of my out of my archives because we <laughs> used to do some stuff on this show that was a little more uh, – Wilder than we do now. But anyway. Yep. All right. So there you go. What do you got? Well, you know, the very last person you you listed on our intro was what, the research scientist, which I was reading. Oh, yeah. uh, A really disturbing thing today. Uh, I guess a father and son in Illinois have been been arrested, and federal prosecutors have charged them with um, getting uh, uh, people who are donating their bodies to science. They're taking these cadavers. And selling them on the black market to um, researchers who thought they were perfectly healthy individuals. So they've not done any any kind of vetting of these these individuals. They've got all kinds of diseases and stuff. Oh they're passing God. them. They're passing them on as, as healthy cadavers. Was this one of those places like that guy that we had in here that where they do sort of um, you donate your body mm-hmm. and then they. Right, parcel out the parts. We need to get him in here. It's um, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. I wasn't going to say his oh, name oh, unless yeah, he was in here. I didn't say it. Yeah, but um, but he does it, and he's legit. Well, he's guy. totally legit. Oh, yeah. So we need to get him in here. Will you yeah. give me a note? Yeah, uh, to remind me to get him in here, sure. and we got to talk about that particular yeah that'd article because we want to see if if that's um, somebody that well shit yeah damn it I could get him on right now. Let me let me um, hang on a second. Let me see if I can get him on the phone. Because um, that is despicable. It is despicable. Yeah, they're passing these. They, they're taking these people who are donating their body to science. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and they, you know, you want to donate your body to science so that what your demise can uh, improve someone else's. Uh... Hey, boss. Hey, man. Hey, can you be on the radio like right now? Sure. 
sure if you need me to be. Okay, so you are. You are. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay, okay, so Scott found an article. Have you heard about these people? What's the article, Scott? It, so it's in Rosemont, Illinois. A, fa- a, fo- a father and son. Rosemont, Illinois. Father and son. They were uh, accused of selling disease, selling body diseased parts body parts on the black market. Do you know anything about that? Because I didn't it, know it was father and son. But, but you know about the case. There was a group, uh, Biological Resources. Are we live? Yes. We are, yeah. Yes, that's why I'm... Okay. Uh, and he is a, right. There that, was, that's uh, the company. Rosemont, Illinois, Arizona, and Detroit, Michigan. There was a group of three that got shut down two or three years ago. Oh, okay. That were uh, allegedly um, distributing specimens that had tested positive for things like HIV and hepatitis. I see. Okay, so when you guys, when a, when an ethical place does does this you you all screen people for certain diseases that you will not accept them for donation and then um organ or you know body part whatever Procurement. it is whatever you Procurement. call well, it is whatever you well, do a, well it's a two-step process yeah, we initially uh ask them to fill out what we call medical social history which lets us know whether they have been diagnosed or possibly have been exposed to something that is, uh, you know, venere- uh, I mean, even a venereal disease, we even ask about that, but we ask about uh, viral hepatitis, we ask about HIV 1 and 2, syphilis, those sort of things. Yeah. And the second part, which is the most important, is we contract with a CLIA-certified lab that can test the blood and we run serologies on each sample, I mean, on each donor, we draw a sample, and then each donor is tested individually. And if anyone comes back reactive or positive for those things, we have to discard the entire donor, you know, that gift that they've given us. We right. have to, in other words, cremate the entire thing. Okay. We've had two in the last week that has that has been gone that way. If, if someone wants to donate their body to science, you know, to somebody like you, and they don't live where we do, where you're so convenient, what do they look for? They can just search body donation, pretty much. We'll bring it up, um, you know, and and then put their their city and state. Obviously, the first choices that are going to come up are going to be universities, which is good. I mean, you know, we we don't discourage that. The, The downside to universities versus our organization is, Number one, they keep the body sometimes at Forever. least two years, yeah. and, and a lot of times they do not return the ashes. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a charge, where with, with our nonprofit public charity, there's not a charge. And in addition to that, we return the cremated remains that are not used for research within within 30 days of the death. Yeah. We file the death certificate. We do the cremation. We do everything as if you went out, went out and arrange the cremation except there's no charge and then in addition to that and you get a free cremation out of it you get a free cremation but it's so much more than that just say someone has suffered from uh uh, als uh, parkinson's um you know you name it some form of cancer mesothelioma lung cancer we have researchers across the country and now across the world that we can send a sample to that as long as we get the body in time to preserve those cells that study that cancer or study that autoimmune disease, sure. we, you know, everything from immunotherapy for cancer to this new group we're working with that is we're working on epithelial cells to kill the blood vessels that feed the tumor versus just killing the tumor. Right. Yeah. We, we can't advance science without having specimens. And when people Absolutely. do this, they're actually, you know, it, it's, it's always tragic 
Uh, I mean, look, the, the price of admission to this world is we got to leave it at some point. That's one of the prices of admission. The other one, apparently, is you got to marry three different crazy women, but that's a whole other thing. A whole other story. Uh, the third one being less crazy than the other two. But, mm-hmm. um, but you uh, also uh, can uh, turn some of that tragedy into joy in the sense that you're helping somebody else. If you can't donate your organs, you know, to um, – a live donation, which is rare. You know, you have to be brain dead on life support. Most of us don't go out don't that, that way. way yeah. uh, this is a way that you can help other people by um, uh, furthering science and furthering the knowledge in medicine. And that's incremental. You just never know when we're going to have a huge breakthrough. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and I think it's important to our donors and our, and our families. I mean, we, we're one of the few groups that will actually go out and sit at their kitchen table and do their paperwork. Yeah. We're the one, we are probably the only group that one of our staff personally delivers the urn and the ashes back to yeah, the family. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and it means a lot to them that their loved one is fighting that disease process that killed them. I yep. mean, just that they can be a soldier in that battle to yes. find a cure for whatever killed their, that one they really I like the about. psychology of that. I really do. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, I knew you would know the answer to that. And, and we were just, I, I wondered what the context of this thing was. Because, you know, of course, medical journalism gets it all wrong. You know, they were just talking about, well, they're selling diseased part, body parts. You just had this idea of, you know, just people rotting in some room and they're just selling, you know, rotting arms and legs. Mm-hmm. But what it really was, was they were exposing researchers to viruses that they had claimed were not in those specimens. And that's the, that's the real bad part of that. So That's exactly right. Somehow they, uh, they, they got turned on to some of those guys and uh, started looking whether they had even ran the serology panels and, uh, okay. Allegedly, from what I read, uh, based on the news story, they determined that they had not tested them, or they had tested them, and some of them turned out reactive or positive for these results, but yet they hid that from the research. Okay. So that's, that's really what happened. And again, it's all alleged. We don't, mm-hmm. hell, we're reading a news story. We weren't there, but uh, very interesting. All right, man. Hey, do you want to plug anything, or do you want to just leave it at that? Uh, I'm saying that again. I lost you just for a second. No, I was saying, do you want to plug anything, or do you want to just uh, get the hell off of here as quickly as you can? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, one of our mottos this year is "Do not cremate the cure." So, in other words, if you're looking to just not to just be cremated, but if you're looking to, for your final arrangement to be cremation, you got to look at body donation. Yep. If you can help so many people through that process, you're still going to get cremated. You're not, it's not going to cost you anything, and you're going to fight all these disease processes. These, even people without cancer, we do these rapid autopsies where we recover normal, healthy tissues that they compare to you got to have normal tissue, tissue too. So yep. even, even those without cancer help in the battle against cancer. That's how we determine when things are abnormal is because we've examined so many normal people. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So that's that, how that's, you like, got, like uh, Dr. Scott, you and I, abnormal. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes. You got to have, you got it takes all kinds, my friend. Well, I know the funeral directors just love hearing you say, uh, you know, come get your free cremation. So I was actually oh, at a. They, yeah, I'm sure I'll be getting some love letters. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, thanks, man. I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for being there for us today. Anytime. Talk soon. All right, buddy. All right. See you. All right. So um, I was on uh, Jim and Sam today. Oh, cool. Talking about the Event Horizon Telescope. Did you see the uh, image of the black hole? I did. Now, look, people are going, oh, it's, it's fuzzy. Yeah. 
what you're trying to look at is the head of a pin from um, using a telescope from like New York City to London, mm-hmm. and you're trying to zoom in on the head of a pin. Yep. They this telescope that they created <clears throat> took all of its data two years ago. And um, it, it, it is the, – the telescope itself is the size of the planet. Right. Okay? So this was a millimeter something wavelength telescope. So it, it, they were using microwaves, uh, which will penetrate through cloud layers. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, uh, c- these clouds are basically transparent to microwaves. So that's a good thing for looking into places where there's a lot of dust mm-hmm. and just shit obscuring things. Right. And um, they got this image, and you go, well, and it looks like, you know, a Krispy Kreme or something with glaze on the bottom. Right. And this thing actually um, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. First off, yes, it's blurry. The, the, the size of this in the diameter of the sky is, un, you know, it's in micro arc seconds. Mm-hmm. So the sky is divided up into uh, 360 degrees. And uh, each one of those degrees has 60 minutes. Each 60 minute is uh, has 60 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in space. So you're dividing the whole sky up 360. And then within each one of those 360 divisions, there's 60 divisions of 60 divisions. So right. there's 360 right there. And then this is um, micro arc seconds. So this is millionths of one of those One-sixtieth of a section, okay, of a one-sixtieth of the whole thing. So it's unbelievably tiny that they were able to resolve this thing. This is an incredible feat of engineering Mm -hmm. and science uh, that they were able to coordinate all these different telescopes. So how do they make a telescope the size of the Earth? Well, um, what it is is it's got the... um, uh, discerning ability of a telescope the size of the Earth. It does not have a resolution of a giant dish the size of the Earth. Right. Okay. So what you're doing is increasing your baseline. So you've got a telescope in Australia and one in Los Angeles. Didn't they say there weren't, weren't there eight different um, telescopes across the world? And they were in high, dry places and they had, and that's how they coordinated them to all cover the face of the Earth. Yeah, made up of eight independent observatories and then they got so much data that they couldn't send it through the internet. They had to actually bring the hard drives and just have somebody fly them to this place to put all this data together. Well, yeah, because it's not like they took a snapshot of it and, no. and magically looked at this. There's a lot of processing involved. Oh, yeah, it took two years, and we've yeah, been sure. anticipating seeing this image. And most people who knew something about it knew it was going to look like this. Mm-hmm. I think some people were expecting something a little more dramatic. But mm-hmm. this is unbelievably dramatic if you know the history of this because, you know, Einstein, whose field equations for gravity predicted this, you know, he thought that was a flaw in his um, in his uh, uh, theory. Yeah. 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 He, a couple of things he thought were flaws turned out to be real. The cosmologic constant was one and this. Hmm. And, um, you know, more and more we were seeing things in the center of galaxies that were severely red-shifted on one side and severely blue-shifted on the other. So uh, light is always constant speed. So when you have light 
things accelerating toward you, the light can't go any faster, but it can become more energetic. And when light becomes more energetic, it turns bluer, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's just like an arc welding, you know, compared to a match. You know, mm-hmm. the match is kind of yellowish orange. Arc welding is bright, uh, you know, vi- you know, it shines in the ultraviolet, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because it's more energetic. Uh, at, likewise, when things are going away from you, they're still going away from you at, at the same, at speed, the same yeah. speed. But because of that constancy of the speed of light, they have to lose energy, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. or apparently lose energy. So when you see them, they become red shifted. Mm-hmm. And this thing is um, showing a couple of things. One is the total warpage of space around the black hole event horizon, mm-hmm. because that's the only way that no matter where you look at this, it's going to look like a donut. Okay. Okay. So we couldn't be south of this and look up and just see it edge on. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's never going to look like that because of the way space is warped around it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, light that come that grazes over the top is going to curve around the bo- the back side of the black hole and come back out the front. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, some light will go into orbit, but some of it that's not quite in the orbit, you know, will will escape and we'll be able to see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that effect, and there are a couple of you, it's hard to describe on the radio, but there are a couple of YouTube uh, uh, videos that demonstrate this very nicely uh, when you warp. Uh, space that much, the the pathway of light becomes warped to the point where you will always see it looking like this. So if you went north of this thing, it would be almost as if that um, donut is following you. Okay. You know, <clears throat> um, just to always orient itself. And then the, the bright part at the bottom uh, is another confirmation of general relativity as well, because a lot of these, um, uh, 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 the matter is traveling at some significant fraction of the speed of light. And um, as it t- travels away from us, it's red shifting, and so it's becoming dimmer. So it's pretty neat. Hmm. That is cool. So this is actually outstanding. Right. And um, I think I, people look at it, they don't realize how much information is in that picture. Right. You know, for someone trained that can actually discern what, this what is, exactly is going on. We have had, okay, so, uh, and I told Jim and Sam, to uh, Google this, and I, anyone that's listening to this should Google this as well. Google uh, video or YouTube this. <clears throat> um, the motion of st- uh, orbits of stars around the supermassive black hole in the center of our galaxy. I think you can just put that in. And uh, these other scientists have been monitoring stars that are close to the central. Uh, supermassive black hole in the center of our galaxy. This one, by the way, was 55 million light years away. Mm-hmm. It's just a giant, giant massive, black hole. Yeah. So the one in our galaxy is it's still super massive, but it's not as massive. But it's closer, so we'll see what kind of image we get from it. Um, um, but they, they've been wa- watching the orbits of these stars, and they've done it for 20 years. And you can see the technology get better mm-hmm. as as the video progresses because the images get sharper and sharper. But you can see them whipping around something that isn't there. Okay. You know, they'll come down, and they come down, and then all of a sudden they speed up, and then they whip around, and then slow back down again, and then do it again just over and over and over hmm. again. And there's nothing there. Right. Not, you, you can't see anything. So that was indirect confirmation that there's a supermassive black hole in the center of a galaxy, but it's indirect. Okay. You know, you're... You're by indirect, we're inferring that it's there based on what we're seeing mm-hmm. 
happening around it. Right. This is a different thing. We're yeah. actually seeing the effects of warpage of space. We're not actually seeing the black hole, but we're seeing the effects on it on its local environment. This is the first, in, you know, direct observational evidence that black holes exist, even though we knew they were there. Mm-hmm. But scientists, you know, they they won't settle until they can see something like this. So, in in, in <clears throat> Aren't they expecting another black hole image yeah. to show up soon, right? Is yeah. that what they're, they're talking last they're, night? They've imaged the one in the center of in our galaxy. Okay, gotcha. I wasn't sure what they meant. But they've got it. They've got a new one coming in. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. You gotcha. don't have to back off quite that far. But these, the way I've got these set, these mics are just really uh, Super. overdoing this. So anyway, it's pretty neat. So gotcha. yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see the difference. Cool. Looks good. All right. Well. Pretty exciting. I got a couple of... Uh, Here's a here's an interesting news thing: a comparison of gender-linked population cancer risks between alcohol and tobacco. How many cigarettes are there in a bottle of wine? So, this is from uh, a British uh, or well now BMC Public Health, and uh, the the abstract says, in contrast to our knowledge about the number of cancers attributed to smoking, number of cancers attributed to alcohol. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. No. That's terrible boo, news. Boo science um, <laughs> is poorly understood by the public. No shit. We estimate the increase in absolute risk of cancer, the number of cases per 1,000, attributed to moderate levels of alcohol, and compare those to the absolute risk of cancer attributed to low levels of smoking. So what they're trying to do is say, uh, uh, we're going to see if we can attribute a certain number of cases per 1,000 to alcohol. Okay. And then we know how many cases there are for tobacco. Let's just compare them, and then we can say, you know, if you drink three glasses of wine, is that equivalent to a pack of cigarettes okay. or whatever? So uh, creating a cigarette equivalent of population cancer harm, which is interesting because people can understand that. Mm-hmm. When I talk to people about their um, um, their narcotic use, mm-hmm. we don't use the word narcotic, but our listeners understand that. Uh, you know, there are opioid use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might say, well, you have <clears throat> you're on the the pump that you're on is delivering 800 milligrams of oral morphine equivalents per day. And they'll just give me a blank stare. But if I say it's the equivalent of 80 lore tabs, tens a day, mm-hmm. you know, I'm speaking in lore tab 10 equivalents. <laughs> then they go, oh, God, because that, they yeah. understand that. Right on. Most people understand you smoke more you're at higher risk of cancer. So they're taking alcohol and converting it to uh, cigarette uh, risk, you know, number of cigarette risk, okay? Mm -hmm. So a cigarette equivalent population cancer harm. So um, they did this with um, alcohol and tobacco fractions. They were subtracted from lifetime general population risks of developing alcohol and smoking-related cancers. And they did that to estimate the lifetime cancer risk in alcohol abstaining non-smokers. Okay. okay, so they subtracted everything out, looked at the people that didn't, that never smoked and never drank, estimated what their cancer risk was, and then went back to the people who either smoke, drank, or did both. Okay. Um, okay, so one bottle of wine per week, <laughs> Jesus, is associated with an increased absolute lifetime cancer risk for non-smokers of 1%. So it's not a lot. Not much, no. The risk to you is not high. That means you've got to, you know, 100 people, maybe one person will have an extra cancer. 
So the number needed to harm would be one. Uh, 1.4 for women. The overall absolute increase in cancer risk for one bottle of wine per week. Uh, my wife's going to die tomorrow. <laughs> uh, equals that of five men or 10 cigarettes per week. Oh, I'm sorry, five cigarettes for men or 10 cigarettes per week for women. So women are getting the shaft on this. Hmm. Gender different. And we should do this when lady diagnosis is here. It won't make any difference. She'll no, still drink. She'll still drink. Uh, gender differences result from levels of moderate drinking leading to a 0.8% absolute risk of breast cancer in female non-smokers. Hmm. <laughs> this sucks. It's, we need another. This is a terrible study. The great thing about um, science is somebody will come out with another study next week that says it's you know drinking a bottle of wine is good for you. Right. And exactly. it probably is. So you got to weigh this. So uh, one in a hundred uh, people may get one extra cancer, mm-hmm. or there, one out of 100 cancers may be attributable to alcohol. Uh, how many lives are we saving with heart disease, though? Mm-hmm. So this may be that risk versus benefit thing. So we'll have to look at that. Maybe we'll look at that for a future show, and we'll do a report on it. I think I saw years ago the, the benefits of moderate drinking um, was based on the fact that it's because moderate drinkers tend to be more social and have healthier social lives. Oh, really? Yeah. And and they were suggesting that, you know, of course, drinking alone is not encouraged, but, but having a couple of drinks a day, even daily, um, two to four drinks a day daily with in a social environment is actually considered going to give you the best longevity compared this to all is- others. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app. Or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is from uh, Mayo Clinic. Moderate alcohol consumption may, and I would say one bottle a week is certainly moderate, may provide some (laughs) health benefits such as reducing your risk of developing and dying from heart disease reducing your risk of ischemic stroke, and possibly reducing your risk of diabetes. So you got to weigh all this no. stuff. Hey, and, and then when they talk about a bottle, they're talking like a bomber or a... Um... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Jeroboam, <laughs> one of those big exactly. things that comes up to your tits. Now we're talking. Uh, let me see. Um, yeah, it says, while moderate alcohol use may be a benefit for individuals who have existing risk factors for heart disease... You can take other steps to improve your heart health besides drinking. Well, shut up, man. <laughs> but nothing else That's makes no much, fun. No, nothing else is as fun. Now, uh, heavy alcohol use. That's different. Defined as more than three drinks on any day or more than seven drinks a week for women. Oh, my wife is oh, in big trouble. I'm screwed, too. Uh, or for men older than age 65 and more than four drinks on any day. Or more than 14 drinks a week for men age 65. Oh, well, hell, I can do 14 drinks a Easily. week, no problem. Uh, okay, and then binge drinking. So excessive drinking can increase your risk of serious health problems, including certain cancers, including breast cancer and cancers of the mouth, throat, esophagus, and liver. The head and neck cancer has got to pretty much be coupled with uh, HPV, though. Sure pancreatitis, sudden death, if you have cardiovascular disease. So if you have cardiovascular disease, don't binge drink. No. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, the other things that go with alcoholism, like alcoholic cardiomyopathy and stuff like that, sure. well, that's not really what we're, no. what we're talking about. So No, no, no. But anyway, uh, it says here, if you don't drink alcohol, don't start because you think it has potential health benefits. That's reasonable. <laughs> but uh, we used to tell people if they were teetotalers, because we live in an area where a lot of people just don't drink, mm-hmm. uh, that four ounces of red grape juice may confer the same benefit as four ounces of wine, because mm-hmm. it's the resveratrol that <clears throat> in the grapes that really confers the, a lot of the benefit, not right. necessarily the alcohol. Right. But anyway. It's controversial. When we did the uh, sommelier episode, mm-hmm. we also talked about this. And, you know, I found a couple of one study that said it was the resveratrol. Another one said it was definitely the alcohol. So mm-hmm. nobody really knows. No. So but just go easy. Moderation. Moderation. Of How, uh, let me tell you real quick. In yeah, England, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a, a, um, a study a couple of years ago, and, and they were interviewing folks in, in, in London um, on what their thoughts are on, on the research and, and what they – would consider moderate drinking, right? And and the consensus was for these guys in London, <laughs> eight pints a day was considered moderate. moderate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the whole thing about uh, uh, when you're doing trying to con- decide what's normal. Right. It really has to do with the sample. It is. We see this, uh, we talk about on the show frequently, uh, when you're looking at things like testosterone. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to determine, well, what's normal, you're going to go to the to the populace and start drawing blood, mm-hmm. determining what the levels are, get the mean, mm-hmm. and then do two standard deviations from the mean and consider that normal. Well, right. what if 
inside that population is a huge group of people who have what we would call clinically low testosterone because they're symptomatic, but they've never been diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And now you're skewing that sample size down. So when you go to London um, and ask people... Uh, what normal amount of alcohol intake? You're kind of skewing the um, the curve a little bit. Right on. So, <laughs> yeah, so we had to that was London. Yeah, yeah, London. Yep, those guys love their. Well, they do their pints. Um, one last uh, uh, news report. This is from the New York Post, that prestigious medical journal. <laughs> Should masturbation breaks become the new smoke breaks? <laughs> I love masturbation. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love masturbation. Uh, according to some psychologists, um, uh, masturbation break would be very effective at work and a great way to relieve tension and stress. There you go. Have you have you ever beat off at work? No. I will have to say I have. Oh, well. Not in my current job. No. But a long, long time ago when I had a different job. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get all wound up and have to take yeah. a break. and Relieve some stress. I guess. Get the poison out. <laughs> Expel those evil humors. Uh, psychologist and life coach Dr. Cliff Arnall agrees. I would expect a masturbation policy to result in more focus, less aggression, higher productivity, and more smiling. I don't think that's true. I would not be more productive after beating off. No. Because I just need a nap and in the old days a cigarette and a beer. Would they make this like a team Kind of oh, no, bond, that, a bonding, a bonding. No, thing that's a little different. <laughs> now, that I could get behind. Um, I actually did have to <clears throat> masturbate at work once uh, in the hospital because I had to give a, a sperm sample and they wanted a fresh one. Okay. So I had to go in the bathroom in the hospital and jerk one off. It just, and I was so um, terrified that the door lock wasn't going to work. And yeah. I mean, can you imagine even in the one in a million chance oh, somebody know. walks in and I you're know. beating off in the hospital and you're a doctor? <laughs> that would have been um, terrible. I still, even then, had a high percentage of two-headed sperm and non-motile sperm. So I called, I remember calling Tacey because we were having trouble getting pregnant. And I went, it's me, it's me. But it turned out that that's normal for somebody my age. Right. I still had plenty of good ones. Good ones, right. Yeah, thank, good ones. Thank, hey, thankfully, the you definitely turned out at least two good ones. Yeah, that's right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, okay, sure. here's... They're not a sponsor, but let's check the ring video doorbell and see who's at the front door. It's got to be... Hang on. Here we go. Oh, come on. Oh, it's UPS. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Ooh, there's a package down there. I wonder what it is. It's like Christmas, Dr. Scott. Cool. Um, okay. So according to Arnall, however, masturbation breaks shouldn't be driven by lust or fantasizing about a colleague, as this would likely result in cognitive impairment. Well, this is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard That's of. That's crazy. Can you imagine mandating this? Okay, well, you guys can have masturbation breaks, but don't think about any of the, you know, the women but or the men. your coworkers are off uh, Yeah, right. Uh Sergeant warned, oh, this is uh, some MD, uh, introducing any form of sexual behavior to a workplace could be seen as a slippery slope that makes people think other forms of sexual behavior, such as those linked to harassment, are more acceptable. Do you think? Yeah. You think that might be a problem? I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. I love to masturbate. And what are they suggesting? A special room? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. 
Oh, just whip it out at your desk. Well, uh, For every 52 minutes spent on the job, workers should be allowed to have 17 minutes off the clock in order to maximize their productivity. Really? Oh, what the hell? What do we, We're in the wrong profession. Minute. Okay. Um, really? Um, okay, hang on a second. Uh, Alexa, what is... Um, pff, shit, never mind. Sorry. I didn't get that. I bet you didn't. No. Um, what, what do I want to do? Um, okay, Alexa, what's 8 times 60? This I can do in my head. but 8 times 60 is 480. Alexa, what's 480 divided by 52? 480 divided by 52 is 9.2308. Alexa, what's 9.3278 times 17? 9.3278 times 17 is 158.5726. What's 158 divided by 60? Oh, Alexa, what's 158 divided by 60? 158 divided by 60 is 2.6333. So they want us to have two and a half hours off mm-hmm. every day. That's a lot. These, these maniacs. I mean, sounds great to me, but uh, we're we're the most productive country in the world. We wouldn't be if everybody got two and a half hours off a day. No. Because you can always grab a coffee or a cigarette instead, masturbation has remained an ultra form, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, of getting that added boost you need to power through your workday. However, there are signs that the stigma against masturbation at the office may be slipping. (laughs) This year, the company Hot Octopus... (laughs) debuted masturbation booths across New York City to give men a public place to relieve stress. Instead of acting, reacting with disgust, women wanted to know where their masturbatoriums were. Why should men have all the fun? Well, that's a good point. Good point. Oh, boy. Okay. I, this, this article is interesting. <laughs> so, uh, you want to take some phone calls? Let's do it. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Thank you, Ronnie B absolutely true hey dr steve my name is jacob the reason i was calling is i just had a quick question i'm currently going through a divorce and it's been pretty tough i've been seeing a counselor for a while and he was saying something about adjustment disorder i'm wondering if you can tell me any differences that would be uh between adjustment disorder and depression and if you would recommend medication for either of those all right thanks well, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great question. So uh, the, they diagnosed him with adjustment disorder. We'll call that situational depression or reactive depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, sadness is a natural human emotion, and we will grieve even the shittiest relationship. Now, yep. let me ask you. You went through a, a crappy divorce. Well, you oh, had yeah. a crappy marriage and a crappy divorce. Yeah. But when you finally mo- – did you move out or did she? Uh, no, I moved out. Okay, yeah, so sure did. did you feel grief when you did that? Oh, of course, yeah. You feel yeah. you feel you feel bad. You feel like you've done something wrong and a failure, and um, it is just a normal. You thing. grieve yeah. for that relationship right. and what you hoped that it could have been. It could have been right. Uh, so it's not all joy. You know, vacations cause stress. Mm-hmm. Even you know, it's weird. Um, uh, you go on vacations to get away from stress, but right. it's not well known that going on vacation can be stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had uh, arguably the shittiest marriage in the world, <laughs> and I've talked about it on the radio before. Yes. And uh, but I cried when I left the house. Yes, yeah, sure. You know, I packed yep. all my shit up and I cried. Yep, because you because you're losing something, you know, and it's something that you did. 
I, you know, I've never met anybody that, that got married with the intent to be divorced. Right, right, right. You know, that was what we're hoping to do. Let's right, get, right, let's right. Spend all this money on this fucking wedding and then get divorced. And then give, just give you half Every, of everything. Yeah, or more. Including a painting that my dad gave me and uh, my mom's wedding ring and, uh, yeah, two-thirds shit, of my take-home pay. Shit that they shouldn't want to take. <laughs> they take because they think it's going to make them feel better. It's coming to me. Yeah, I deserve it. Oh, for God's sakes. So, anyway. And they've done it. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Well, Sorry. Good, l- hey, good luck, I got buddy. off on my... And it always drives me crazy when uh, Big Joe will call us, and if she doesn't get her alimony check from from Tacy's dad, mm-hmm. she'll go, I did, he didn't send me my paycheck. And I just hearing that word called a paycheck... Mm-hmm. Goes all over me just because of what I, you know, the paychecks that I wrote for yes, all those for years. many years. <laughs> uh-huh. But anyway, so you do <laughs> grieve even if it was crummy. Now, if if you didn't want it to end, then it's going to be even that much worse. worse. Yeah. So, uh, so situational and clinical depression are similar, but they're not the same. And um, you know, uh, situational depression, as we already said, you know, we'll call it adjustment disorder with depressed mood. That will often resolve in time. What I found when I had girl trouble, when I particularly in high school, was you know a new girlfriend. Sure, <laughs> that, that cured that pretty Absolute quickly. It was amazing yep. how fast that would cure things. Yep. Um, now, um, if you don't recover, you could develop major depressive disorder, and that's a, an actual mental condition. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, major depression includes uh, not just sadness, Mm -hmm. but loss of interest in doing things, Mm -hmm. loss of the ability to enjoy things. We'll call that anhedonia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Loss of interest in doing things, apathy, changes in eating, changes in your sleep cycle. And uh, we feel like this is caused by changes in certain chemicals in the brain, particularly serotonin and norepinephrine. And it can be related to genetics or it could be major life events. And you can take screening tools, but if you think you're depressed, uh, fatigue is another one. Sure. Uh, I've known people who are depressed that, right, and they can have trouble falling asleep or they could sleep too much. Yeah, sleep too much, that's right. They could quit eating or they could eat too much. So it's difficult uh, to just hang your hat on one set of symptoms. Mm But um, if you feel like this is an issue for you, then going to, um, you know, a medical provider who's skilled in this, they've got some screening tools that they can do. There's some diagnostic tests. Um, We will treat some of these with medication. It really depends on how severe they are. I mean, clinical depression can result in loss of productivity, suicide, um, uh, you know, loss of social ability and and ag- even you know anxiety and agoraphobia and stuff like that. So, we um, we definitely want to treat that if it's affecting your life or has the potential to affect your life, or if it's putting you in a um, uh, situation where it's affecting your quality of life, or may you know you may be heading toward uh, hurting yourself. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you ever feel like you're going to hurt yourself, you have to tell somebody right away. Right. And um, and it sounds like at least he's he's kind of on the right track. He's on he's using a counselor and um, hopefully the counselor's showing him some good skill sets to work through this and yeah and will help him recognize anything that's profoundly troubling Tr- and, and true you know. situational yeah. depression should improve pretty With quickly time, yeah. Yeah. yeah especially when you get your new girlfriend yep or, or whatever or whatever 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 you, whatever um, you happy. exercise 
seems weird when you're that tired because when you have this, you're going to be really fatigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you, the last thing you want to do is be active. But if you do, it actually releases chemicals into your bloodstream that may actually be effective for, uh, for depression or at least make you feel better in general. Getting up first thing in the morning and getting vitamin D, getting some sunshine early, early sunshine. I don't disagree is, with that. Is a, is, you'll get higher levels of vitamin D production, and that'll make you feel better. Increases some serotonin. So Really? Now that, I don't know. Oh, yes. You, oh, yes. You may be. Clinically proven. Really? Hey, no, the vitamin D it is. Vitamin D and serotonin? Okay, now i got to look this yeah. up because first, I was with you. Early morning sunshine. Increase. Okay. Higher levels of vitamin D. I was with you till that, but here we go. In addition to its well-known role in calcium absorption, vitamin D activates genes that regulate the immune system and release neurotransmitters. In other words, dopamine and serotonin. Give yourself a bill. All right, Dr. Scott, I'm going to even give you a little bit of that. You say so much bullshit that I can't just, you know, take what, what you say with a, you know, <laughs> without looking it That's up. That's very true. It's a fair, <laughs> fair statement. It says here, optimal vitamin D spurs serotonin uh, uh, release. It's another study uh, right. on PubMed. You can check this stuff out on PubMed.com, mm-hmm. which is a national library where you, any, any person with an Internet connection can uh, look at clinical trials and medical literature. And, um, yeah. So, and what are we doing with a serotonin selective reuptake inhibitor? We are um, uh, in the brain decreasing reuptake of serotonin. So, serotonin is a neurotransmitter; it goes from one neuron to the next, mm-hmm. and then it's resorbed. Once it does the signal, it does the signal; it's resorbed, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you block reabsorption, what are you going to do to those levels? You increase. They're going to increase. Sure. So if more available. So if you increase serotonin using an SSRI and it's effective for depression, increasing it using other things, mm. pre- you would presume would also do the same thing. Right. So I would love to see, a, you know, a, our favorite thing, a double-blind placebo-controlled right. study. And there may be some. I just, you know, I don't want to stop the show, and I uh, have to look it up. But we will. We'll do it off off air yep. and see if there's a double-blind placebo-controlled study that shows that actually re- increasing serotonin levels that way is clinically relevant yep. as far as depression is concerned. So very good, Scott. Worth a shot. Yeah. I taught you. Taught me something today. There you go. Good stuff. Yep, you're a good failer. Good stuff. We wish you well. Hey, Doctor Steve. Um, I have a weird question. Whenever you called I the right show. No matter how well I wipe my ass, a couple of hours later, maybe three, four hours tops, I'll go back, I'll run another piece of toilet paper up my crack, and there is shit on that paper, just like I had just stood up. And I'm just wondering why. What causes that? It's like, like, am I not done shitting when I think I'm done shitting? I even tried jumping off the toilet straight into the shower and washing my ass a couple of times, and... I still end up with this little issue, and I'm just kind of curious. Um, I don't know if my size may matter, but I am a little bit in the overweight side. Uh, anyway, I'm just kind of curious. What's up with that? Yeah, I know. That's a great question. Um, we've talked about this in the past uh, with regard to hairy ass cracks. So back before you were on this show, Dr. Scott, I went and got a Brazilian wax mm-hmm. just to see if it made any difference because I have a really gross, hairy ass crack mm. to the point where when I do my um, 
and my colonoscopy, and they bring the colonoscope, and they always have a big TV right there. Mm-hmm. And I don't do my colonoscopies with anesthesia, so I can see this. Mm-hmm. And I just see this gross, hairy hole that they're just getting ready to shove this thing in. And it just makes me physically kind of ill. And uh, whenever I see the the nurses in the hospital, I'll look at them and go, stop it. I know what you're doing. You're thinking about my hairy ass crack. But um, so when I had mine, uh, mine waxed, uh, no more shit issues whatsoever. But if you have a hairy ass crack, getting that clean is very difficult. I have a whole routine where I finally am successful with this. But I, uh, if you use toilet paper to wipe your ass, what's going to happen? It's like smear it every damn way. Exactly. Yep. It, try take a bear rug, dump some Vaseline on it, and try to wipe it off with, with newspaper. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so wet wipes will help in a pinch. But a bidet is the key to this. Yes. And um, Howard uh, Stern, I heard him talking recently. He's got one of those Toho. Is it Toho? The to, the uh, Toto. 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 Yep, Toto. The Toto yep. toilet. Yep. And this thing will actually give you a mini enema. It will shoot water into your rectum mm-hmm. and uh, flush out the rectum of any residual stool. Because mm-hmm. we think a stool is being solid. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a semi-sore, semi-formed solid, but it breaks apart really easily, uh, which is why you you can flush it down, uh, you know, a, a, a sewer pipe, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it just breaks up when it gets in water. Take a turd sometime and just take a, a, a chopstick and swirl it around in there. It'll just turn into, you know, brown water, sure. right? So uh, if you still have some fecal matter in the in the ampulla of the rectum, you know, the, the, the part of the rectum that's right before the anus, sure. it's just going to leak out. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a hairy ass crack where it's going to, it's just going to, you know, subsume itself into the roots of the ass crack. And then, then when you come back later and take uh, a wipe, you're, there's going to be shit on it. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a couple of things you can do. You could get one of those mm-hmm. and use it and try to train yourself to, to void your bowels every morning or at some time when you're at home and use that part to give yourself that sort of mini enema to get the any spare fecal matter that didn't get extruded when you, uh, you know, defecated. Sure out of your anus and uh, and out of the rectum. And if you can do that, then there's nothing there to leak into your underwear. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do, and this is just kind of gross, just wear a man pawn. Mm-hmm. You know, just cram either gauze or a good high-quality toilet paper, not the kind that they have at, like, the ballpark that just falls apart. You need a high-quality toilet paper, <laughs> multiply, and you just kind of wrap it around your hand and then just cram it into your ass crack. Particularly if you're a big dude, it'll be easy to do. I was going to say, if he's big, he's probably got a little bit more space in there than he thinks. Yes. And that's why that extra... And there's sweat mixed poo, with yep, yep. feces. Yep. And, uh, and you know, it's just hard to get rid of. Hey, I'll, I hate to know. He may have hemorrhoids, too, because hemorrhoids that have prolapsed. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, so if you, you get an internal hemorrhoid, which is a varicose vein, and it's prolapsed to the outside, what it's actually doing is opening up a channel by which small amounts of liquid fecal matter can mm-hmm. leak out of the uh, the rectum and into your ass crack. And, you know, the folds of the anus and all that stuff. And it just wicks out, you know, like, sure. um, you know, capillary action. Go ahead. What go, gonna say? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, those Toto toilets are pretty expensive. They are. Yeah, but for the but for the not so expensive, there are um, adaptive um, 
bidets that you can buy at you know your Lowe's and Home Depots that actually fit right exactly where your oh, really? seat is now. You just take it off, and it's got a little remote control that you um you just punch the little remote control. It raises up and sprays you and gives you a good little wash. Is and, that right? Yeah, yeah. I actually turned uh, um, <clears throat> a guy with a really terrible disorder on to that because he was concerned about cleaning himself. Yeah, and um, he came back, and I mean, I thought he was going to hug me to death. He's like, "Oh my God, it's so much better now." My rectum is squeaky yeah. clean. Yes, I don't have to have somebody clean me anymore. So, I think I think we've got him dialed in. Let me find this um Toto toilet. Yeah, they're high dollar now. No, oh, it's three hundred bucks. Are you looking at the one that's got the bidet function? Oh, I don't know. I doubt it. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, I doubt it, Doctor Steve. I mean, I'm not looking at what you're saying, but but most no, this is just a regular plain old boring. Yeah, no. you sure it's Toto? Yeah, Toto. Oh, okay. Uh, but now some of the, the high. Oh and shit! Oh shit! Fourteen hundred bucks. Oh no! Two thousand twenty-two. I told you. Damn. I told you. That's what I'm saying. There's there are better ways. Uh, or oh, not say better God. ways. Let's say there's 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 less expensive options. Two grand Dude, for I'm a toilet you. that washes your ass. I'm telling you. Now, I got one of these um, <clears throat> shower heads, and uh, it's got three different settings, and one of it is Cascade, mm-hmm. where it just dumps water. on. Like if you take a bucket and dump it on your head. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> this is uh, – why am I telling this story? But, um, you know, I'm always honest with, the, uh, with our listeners. Uh, so after I'm done I, – I, you know, I, I move my horrible bowels and I wipe to the best I can. I get in the shower and clean off and everything. And then, you know, the last thing I'll do is soap up my ass crack. But then the very last thing I do when I'm rinsing is I put this thing on the cascade mode. Mm-hmm. And then I. <laughs> you do a handstand in the yes, shower. Yes, kind of. I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll bend over, spread my cheeks, and just let that hot water just cascade Ooh. through my ass crack. It oh. feels good. And I feel squeaky clean Ooh. afterwards. So. That and that shower head was not expensive. I got it at Lowe's just on a whim, and I really like it. Yeah, so that's cool. All right, so there you go, but we solved it. Did we though? I think. <laughs> hey, Doctor Steve, quick question. Just wondering. Um, use nasal spray for my nose. I use the Navage. Cleans me right out. Why can't I still taste my food? Oof. Do you have any quick remedies for that? Thanks. Uh, no, so this guy can't taste his food. Uh, he didn't say whether he can smell. Most of the time when you can't taste your food, you have a thing called anosmia. Mm-hmm. And anosmia means that you can't, can't smell. Taste. you got to be able to smell to taste your food. So the taste buds just go so far, they'll they'll give you sort of sweet, sour uh, sensations. But you really need to be able to smell to get the full flavor. <clears throat> so there's some integration of those two signals in the brain. I know when I've had a sinus infection and I can't taste anything, it terrifies me because I couldn't. I know that if my food was rotten, I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. You know, just there's no taste. It's it's maddening. People that have to live with that, it really sucks. So uh, there are a bunch of different causes for this, but nasal and sinus disease is the most common. About 25 percent of cases. Uh, will have, uh, you know, some sort of sinus disease, whether they've got swelling to the point where, uh, you know, 
um, organic molecules can't get up to the sensors because the sensors in the nose are in the very, very top of the nose in this thing called the ethmoid plate that runs along the the very top of the nose, way up above the bridge of the nose. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh, you know, if if the tissues below that are swollen to the point where air can't get up there, well, you can't smell anything. You can't smell anything. You can't taste anything. So uh, an ear, nose, and throat doc can look in there and see if you've got a problem like that. My wife doesn't mind if I tell this. She had a thing called a concha bullosa, which is just a big wad of tissue that was in there, and she couldn't smell anything. And uh, uh, she had trouble breathing through it as well. This guy's having that, too, because he's got a navage and he's using all these nasal sprays and Mm -hmm. stuff. So it could be something like that. You could have nasal polyps. Uh, Those will not get better on their own. So you got to see an ear, nose, and throat person. Let them look up there. Your primary, if they're worth anything, can look up there and sort of screen for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Any sort of upper respiratory viral infections. uh, uh, 25% of these cases, it just happens. just happens. And uh, you've got to rule out everything else. You know, you got to do blood tests, brain scans, stuff like that. B12 deficiency can cause it. Mm-hmm. So they'll test you for B12. Head trauma, if you've had injury, some injury to the head. So get this checked out. Not being able to taste your food is actually a sign that really should, it, you don't have to run to the emergency room. Right. But you should go get this checked out. Right. You got anything in traditional Chinese medicine for anosmia other than Dr. Scott's nasal spray, which you can get at simplyherbals.net? Just a nasal spray. That stuff's awesome. Now, if you can't smell it, you got a problem. You got a problem. That's right. Because Dr. Scott's um, nasal spray is buffered saline, Mm -hmm. and it's also got peppermint oil in it as an anti-inflammatory agent. And it probably... I figure that peppermint uh, probably dilates the nasal passages a little bit, too. Yes. Probably has some vasoconstrictive properties just because it's just a little bit noxious to those yep. tissues. Yes, you it know. is. Uh, uh, and they'll sort of recoil from it. But mm-hmm. it's great stuff. But anyway, if you can't smell that, then you definitely need to go see in your nose and throat, Don. Yes. Agreed. All right. Okay. Well, I, I really want to do this one. Yeah. This is important. Uh, hey, Dr. Steve. My wife recently went in for uh, her 20-week ultrasound, and everything looked good on the ultrasound, but they did find uh, an ecogenic focus, a single one on the baby's right ventricle. Um, it said it's not the same density as bone or the same color as bone. Um, I've been told that can be associated as a soft marker for Down syndrome. Um, I'm just looking on your thoughts on that. Every other measurement and everything else came back perfect. Great. But, uh, just want to know your thoughts. Thanks. Yeah, if they're really worried about a genetic abnormality, they can um, um, test the amniotic fluid mm-hmm. for um, genetic markers for genetic abnormalities and uh, find out if that's really an issue. So what he's saying is they did um, a cardiac or an ultrasound, and they saw this little dot of um, echogenicity, in other words, just in an echo. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, ultrasound just sonar. Sure, it's bouncing sound waves and then uh, recreating an image based on how those things bounce back. Uh, and uh, they found this little echogenic area inside the baby's right heart. Okay. And uh, someone had told him that that was a, you know, a, a soft finding for trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. Yeah. So uh, this was studied pretty intensely because there were people who thought that there was some 
uh, correlation between the two. And uh, so they did um, a prospective population-based observational study from 1997 to 1999. It was 12,373 pregnancies. They found 267 cases of echogenic foci in the fetal heart. Uh, and tw- trisomy 21 was detected in 0.31%. Okay? So that was, um, you know, right at or below the what was expected. Mm-hmm. So their conclusion was an isolated echogenic focus in the fetal heart at mid-trimester ultrasound in women aged 18 to 34 years is not associated with increased risk for trisomy 21. So I would not lose one bit of sleep over this. Now, if there are other markers, then, of course, yeah, do the genetic testing. But this is not only is it a soft finding, it's it's not even a finding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't seem to correlate at all. And that was a decent-sized study. Yeah. You know, where it had the power to – you need a big study to prove a negative. Yeah. You know, so – and congratulations on your baby. Yeah. Let's talk um, about a little one that has a good, good go, ticker. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And go to um, drsteve.com yep. and click on the one-page baby manual. It's in the upper right-hand corner. It'll tell you everything you need to know for the first year of taking care of that baby. I tried to make it really, really simple. Do it. All right. Well. Um, I uh, had this phenomenon occur to me several times a year. I don't know what it's called, but basically I I walk into the store. You know, this is a store that I've been going into for years, sometimes daily, and I notice uh, a picture on the wall or a credit card machine uh, reader, and I ask, you know, are, are these things new? Because I'm just noticing them. And they say they look at me kind of weird, and, you know, and of course they're not new. Or another instance, I'll be driving down the road and I'll see a a billboard, and it just pops out at me, and it, it's obviously not new, but um, I was just wondering what's going on there. What's going on in my brain? Is it a, a mental disorder? Is it? Uh, no, no, it's not a mental disorder. What it is is your brain functioning normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, your brain sees some fraction of what you're actually looking at, and it will filter out things that, that you know, it, it, basically your brain's putting it's a things you see every day on a pay-no-mind list. Right, it's a filter. Yep. That doesn't mean that if you look at them and give them some attention that you won't see them. Mm-hmm. You just won't see them every I This shit happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be dri- driving to work, the same, th- and it's like, well, I've never seen that house before. Mm-hmm. It's been there this whole time. I see people in the hospital every day People, it's like there's an infinite number of people that I don't know in the hospital, you know, because I see somebody every day that I've never seen before. Right. So, uh, no, it's totally normal. The normal brain will filter out extraneous shit mm-hmm. in uh, in an attempt to allow you to focus on what's really important, which is going in and buying that tall boy of Miller or whatever it is you're doing in the right. convenience store and or getting to work on it safely. Just so. the same thing your brain does when you're sleeping. Well, what's that? How is that? Well, just, well it just focuses on... on what's important versus what's unimportant at the time. Oh, I see. Yeah, so breathing and yeah. making your heart beat yeah. and stuff. Exactly, resting. Yeah. Okay, we've got 30 oh. seconds. I don't have time for this. Uh, the, the person that growed, or called in about the white spots on their scrotum, those are called four dice spots. Google them. Thanks always go to uh, Dr. Scott. We can't forget Rob Sprance, Bob Kelly, Craig Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Tepp, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharski, Eric Nagel, Roland Campo, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, 
Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fizz Watley, whose early support of the show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy, and go to our website, drsteve.com, for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.